welcome to Real Rap with Reynolds Teacher Talk with your host, C.J. Reynolds. I didn't add myself to the stream, so then I'm not in the stream. Good day, everyone. Let me uh, change this angle slightly. There we go. Um, welcome back. It's Sunday, which guess what? It means we're talking about school because that's, you know, Guess what you do on that's what you do on Sunday. Um, my name is CJ Reynolds, and I run this YouTube channel called Real Rap with Reynolds. So if this is your first time that you're here, uh, this is what we do. And I want to, I want actually, I'll, I'll I'll talk about that in a minute. Um, so the idea here is, uh, look, I mean, you know, if you've been around here for a minute, you know what, what we're doing here. What we're doing here is trying to like create safe space for people to talk about education and the things that are bothering them and the things that they need help with and the things that are like sometimes like to show up and just be an answer to someone else's issue, right? Showing up and, and finding someone in the comments that thinks they're alone, that thinks that they don't know what to do, or, or, or maybe they just don't know what to do. And you go, Hey, I've been through that before. Hey, I know what that's like, or Hey, I've been in your shoes before and help you out. And it's showing up for one another uh, in, in times like this. So that's kind of what we're, that's what we're about is uh, trying to help teachers to be the teachers they are called to be. Um, so I think we'll just jump right in to this situation. You ready? Should I speak about that question I had first no, on Facebook or do you want to chat with Pete first? All right. Pete's, Pete's up here. in there. Pete, you're on. Wow. I was not ready for that. <laughs> oh, yeah. I know. That's why I said it real bad. I was in mid sip. All right. Whew. Feels like we just talked, CJ. We did. I think we did. I think I was sitting in this very spot. I've been there since then. I just put on a different sweatshirt. It's like <laughs> I'm still reeling from the fact that we talked about my Beastie Boy band, but we'll that's not what my question's about. All right. Here, this one, this question, believe it or not, is probably the one that um I struggle with the most. And you mentioned it in another conversation and immediately it struck me. And you were talking about how you have a pretty steady stream of people who you, I guess the best word for it. And when I talk about people, I'm talking about other, other staff members who yeah. maybe come to you as a mentor to kind of find out, to navigate, navigate their way through all the bullshit that we go through as teachers. So my question is um, because I mean, we like that, right? Like I, it happens in here all the time. You have um, all these teachers coming in and asking for advice. And, and, you know, I mean, part of it's just what we do. We're teachers. So when people come and ask for a path, you want to give them the path. Mm. But how do you navigate with the time constraints, especially this year, but really in any year, um, how do you navigate the path? Like, how do you know when to not like, how do you handle the not saying no, but figuring out ways to, to be mentors in the building without it taking away from what we're doing in the classroom. Mm. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I think that's a great question, man. The way I do it is I got to feel it out first. I got to feel like, so I, I, I don't go into my day ever having stuff I have to get done. It's already done. Like I go in early, I get stuff done early so that my day is my day. Um, that is like, it, it's kind of like, uh, see, see if this makes sense. When I have people over my house and I'm hosting, 
I want them to feel welcome. I want my attention to be on them. I want to be able to like, you know, take your jacket. It's the right music. It's the right, it's the, the right vibe in the room. Everything's ready, right? Like the, the, the dinner is not maybe cooked, but it's like kind of prepared and things are where they should be. That that's kind of my vibe. I think school's the same way. Like when people come over my house, I'm not cleaning up. I'm not like doing laundry. I'm not trying to like do other stuff that needs to get done. So I'm, I'm set and I'm ready to, to be present. And then I have to go in with, it's also being mindful of like, for lack of a better word, like your energy, right? Like I really am a firm believer in this quote that like, I heard someone say that you are responsible for the energy you bring into every room. So making sure that I'm at a, a specific place where I feel like I can, I can show up and be present. And then it's also just being aware because that's, you don't have to be that person every day, all the time. Like there's, it's not an everyday thing. There are, there are spurts where like I have tons of time that I'm speaking with people that I'm showing up for people that I'm sitting in on their classes um, for like 10 minutes, by the way, I don't sit in on like whole classes that someone comes into my room and they're upset, they're crying, they're excited and you're sharing those moments. But it's, I think that it's like, being mindful that it's not all the time, but having the awareness to see the way someone's standing at the door, to hear kids talking about something that happened in class today, or teachers talking about something that happened in a teacher's class, or seeing how like someone is like when they're not in the hallway and they're just like making copies, like, are they just like making copies and they look all broken? Like, and you need to go over and just like kind of give them like a, well, we don't do hugs anymore, but like the equivalent of whatever the hell a hug is these days, like, it's, I think those sorts of things, it's, it's really, you know, I think, um, helping people is not always this giant task. It is showing up. It's the little things. It's the investments in them. It's the, you know, sometimes it's just an ear, right? Yeah. Sometimes it's just, just That's letting tough. it in the ear. Just saying, and I don't even know how much time you have, like being, yeah. like, sometimes I'll go out, like I'll be great in papers in my room trying to hustle through something. And I'm like, you know what? Like, I need 10 minutes in the hallway, man. Cause that stuff just built. It just fills me back up too. Even if I'm dealing with someone that had a hard day and they're like literally crying outside of their classroom. It's like, that just makes me, cause I know I can speak to that. I know yeah. I can help that situation yeah. out. And then every time I do, I just go back to my room feeling a little bit more on fire than I did great in papers, which usually yeah. depresses me. That's um, it right there. It's that, you know what? It's that because sometimes when someone walks into my room, the first thought I have isn't the, at the end of this, I'm going to feel better. It's the, Oh, damn, I've got another domino in front of me now. You know what I mean? And and when you get past that first domino, it's like, okay, 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 this is what I do. But it's yep. it's it, maybe this year it's just like overheight. Uh, maybe it's overheight. Of course it's overheightened. So yeah. All right, man. Listen, I'm I'm not swallowing up time today, man. I'm getting out of here. So you let them we'll talk some other time. Thank you. I appreciate yeah, it. Jenna, yeah. good to see you. Hear you anyway. Here, have a good Sunday. <laughs> you too. We'll see you guys. <laughs> Missed the mark on that one. Um, cool. We really got to fix the. Uh, did we fix this? I don't know. But we're moving on. All right. That's okay. what we're talking about. All right right now, Sean, Sean is having a question. He says, Thoughts on academic integrity in class setting? Uh, you know, I think we've gotten away from this one, Sean. I think that, uh, you know, I know that the idea, I don't even, I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know that my students really do understand that something was cheating. That's something that like taking a picture of someone's homework, putting it on your homework and then handing it in 
was in fact academic dishonesty. But when they go to college, it's going to bite them in the ass. And so I really try to like help kids to realize the real world implications of the things that they're doing, right? That it's not, I don't want it just done. I don't want work just done. I want your voice, bro. I want you to speak your, you know, I'm, I'm going to talk about a, an organization called Speak Your Truth in a second, but like, I want you to speak your truth. And so I can see where you are, where you need to be. But kids have this idea that like, it's just, but I did it. How come I have an F Reynolds? I did all the work, bro. You did all the work, but you got 30 on everything because you don't know it. So it's like, it, it's the equivalent of like someone, you know, I don't, I don't know. It, it, it's like, you know, I'm working out, but are you working out right? Like, you know, you're thinking like, oh, I'm not losing weight, but are you losing weight the right way? Like, you know, so it's being mindful of those sorts of things. And I, so I think um, academic integrity is is really important to me. It is something that I don't let slide in my class, but I make sure that when I'm having these conversations with students, it's not just things like, there's a lot of conversation a lot of times around like um, a kid cheats. What do you do? Well, first of all, you want to make sure you document it. You want to make sure that you call their parents. You want to make sure that they got a zero. Um, but I think it's also like, yeah, 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 that, that stuff's important. Um, bro, do you realize why this is an issue? Do you realize why like integrity is important? Do you realize that like, maybe you've been conditioned to think that your voice doesn't matter, that you don't know the right answer, that what you're saying, thinking, feeling, experiencing, what your thoughts are on the matter might be better than what you got from someone else. Do you realize that like, that is a muscle to learn how to stand and speak what is true to you? What is, who makes you who you are? It's having those conversations with students. Um, and so that's why I don't like this. That's why this bothers me. It's not that it's just you cheated, right? It's that, where are you? Why don't you matter? Why doesn't what you think matter? What you feel matter? What your, your interpretation of the math problem matters. So I think it's breaking down for kids like that too. So that's where I would go with it. Yeah, buddy. Awesome. Next, we have um, what we have here is, is failure. And to you can bring Cameron on. He's going to ask awesome. about charter schools and public schools. All righty. What's up, man? Hi. How you doing? You have a lot of cats there. It looks like. Oh, oh I got one here. I got, I got five. All right. <laughs> Oh my God, our daughter would be No, I really hope she my daughter's not watching. just went and saw Miss Callahan out of the So my daughter takes care of all the cats in the neighborhood. There are cat hotels made out of like storage totes that are like decorated uh, in various places in the neighborhood and we have feed the we food, feed them. We feed all the birds. We take care of all the animals. She's like basically well, because the, she know, wants the St. Francis of, uh, of our neighborhood. Pets, so yeah, yeah she, on well, the, anyway, on, that, on that, the patio we feed our stray cats, and so all the time our cats will go to the window. And my wife's the type; we'll totally take the stray cat if it walks in. It's like, oh, I guess that's our cat now. I can't stop her. her. <laughs> if she had her way, my that house would look. Who uh, our daughter grows no, up to be? Exactly it would look like, like that. It would look like Doctor Doolittle in our house yes. if, if Marley had her way. Anyway, what's up, man? All right. Well, so I'm in school to be a teacher right now. Um, I'm just finishing my first year, actually, so uh, I still got a little bit of ways to go. All right. Uh, and I'm wonder. I have a couple hooks in a couple of schools just because I've kept so many, like you know, like professional relationships, and also my family's just teachers in a couple places. Awesome. And so I have a charter school that I could go to in an instant when I graduate, and I also have a public school I can go to. They're both Title One, but I don't know. Like in my experience of going there, I didn't feel too much different, but I don't know how it is for the teachers. If 
like how would I know where I should start my teaching career? That's so that's a great question. And I think that, you know, initially the idea behind charter schools was that they would be very, very different than public schools. And that has sort of gotten homogenized, right? Like it, it's it's not in in many ways the same thing. There are some schools that, that do still continue to stand out, but you know, not all. I would say for me, it's about What's happening, like, like how you feel when you're there with regards to the staff, the curriculum, the leadership is enormous. School leadership is like, is so undervalued because um, I think people like, I just, they just don't think that like, that's going to affect them, but it does. Like, unless, if you don't have a good leader, like if the principal or the superintendent, like aren't strong individuals, then it's going to, the, the kids are going to suffer for it. So I think it is. Not for me, I don't care what the neighborhood is. I don't care how far the drive is. I don't care. Like even the pay would be contingent on like, like th those things will come second to how do I, can I show up and be the teacher I'm called to be in this particular environment? That's what I would look at more than anything else. Um, because otherwise you're just going to meet roadblocks. Otherwise, you're going to show up and be like, I have this great idea. I want to try this thing. I met these students and they love anime. So I want to try this anime club or I want to like try and incorporate some of this stuff into the work that we're doing. And if you're at the wrong school, they're going to be like, you can't. You can't do that. You can't talk about politics or, or real life situations or um, or like what's really happening in our community, especially within Title I schools. Like if if you know, there's a lot of real stuff that happens around our school, like, and we have to talk about things like life or death, like racism, like rioting, like uh, rebellion. Like, there's a lot of stuff that comes up like that that we want to create that safe space. And I just know there's schools out there that go, "You're not allowed to talk about that stuff. Stick to the curriculum. We're here to teach of mice and men, and then that's what we're doing." I'm like, hey, "I am teaching of mice and men, but like through the lens of." like you know toxic masculinity or whatever else is you know incorporated in that book um it's like but you can't do that in a lot of schools so i that's that would be my answer is like where do you feel like you can be the teacher that you're called to be um and when you know that that's your school for you i think sure. and then one tiny thing because i know you like weird things i have tons I of desk knickknacks and this one i brought today it's 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 a weird pig and rollerblades it's just lounging does it and it just sit there? Yeah, it just sits like this. I think this is brilliant. Um, <laughs> I found it at a garage sale for a quarter. <laughs> I, you wait, you found it somewhere for a quarter? A yeah, at a garage sale. See, so I used to do this thing back in the day. I give like random awards. I just don't have the time for it now. Um, where I would go to the thrift store and find weird crap. So like, so I'd find something like that. I'd spray paint it gold. And then I give it to kids at the end of the year. I'm like, man, look, the, uh, and I would have all these awards. Like I would make names up for awards that were ridiculous. And then I would give these things away to kids. And I know there are some kids that still have them. Like I used to buy like plastic dinosaurs and just spray paint them gold and be like the, you know, Barana, like I would make a dinosaur name for it. It was like so dumb. And, uh, I would give it to kids and that went really far. So, you know, or even like, Having stuff like that in your classroom and then just like I would I make up stories around things or like where'd you get rounds? Where did you get that thing from? I'm like, actually, one time I was backpacking like through like 
the jungle in China and um, I found this and I'm not sure where it came from, but I found like in the middle and it's just like, and then just like, but we have to teach class. So we're going to move on and then just like leave it at that. And so <laughs> that's uh, some of my favorite things to do. So cool, man. But look, dude, best of luck to you on your, uh, on your journey. If we can help you with anything on your way, let me know. I'd love to. Hey, you wouldn't happen to have like, anything written down in like a book form, would you? I actually, I do. I have, there is a book that is available, uh, which also means Chris Carson is taking a drink, I think, of something right now. Because um, that's what he does every single time I mention the book. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, available now, everywhere books are sold. So cool. Look, man, thanks for coming on. And we will, uh, we'll talk to you next time. All right. Thank you. See you. Peace, man. Um, what you got? Right. That's cool. I'm really glad Marley wasn't here for Cameron. Being oh, on I know, camera. right? Because sometimes she watches the live. I feel like she would pop back in and be like, who was that guy? Why don't we have five cats? That's exactly what happens. Why can't we have five yeah, cats? I'm like, oh, and birds. Allergic Why don't we have a possum living in the house? Um, how do you pronounce that name? Uh, Melanie, I think. Yeah, okay, we're going to go with that. Uh, so Melanie is asking, I have four boys who talk over me, bully others and play in the bathrooms. I'm constantly called racist for asking them to wear their masks properly and act like decent human beings. Sixth grade. Um, oh gosh, that's such a good question. So, you know, there was a, there was, I'm going to take this back to, um, there was a post in the Facebook group. So, um, if you're not part of our Facebook group, we have, um, forget that when I change the thing at the bottom, it doesn't matter because the question's there, but we have a Facebook group called Real Rap with Reynolds Teacher Talk on Facebook, clearly. And uh, there was an, a really long post about, the, the short of it was, there was a young man who, um, I, I think this was the situation, right? Teacher's white, um, student is black, and he is getting in a lot of trouble in class. And when when things come up, when, when his mother would come in and they would talk about it, they would like work things out or, or, or have meetings with the principal and stuff. It was the mother thought that the teacher was being racist. And so that's why um, she was doing the things that she was saying, doing, saying the things that she was saying. And she was like, I'm trying to point out that I'm not being racist, but that I'm not really sure what to do with this. Like I'm also kind of stuck and like, and, and I think, there are folks that deal with this, right? And so, like, clearly. So the answer that someone gave that I thought was so good was it is to approach situations like this with humility and with curiosity. Because it is indeed, like, maybe you what you're doing is not racist, but is it being perceived as racist to the by the child, right? So, like, is there some sort of trauma, conditioning? I mean, like think like it's real out there right like this is not it's like racism is not something that doesn't really exist right like it really exists and when folks have had um when when people have experienced especially young people have experienced racism are they seeing a, a connection point between the way that you're talking to them or dealing with them or or communicating with them and that moment that they went through or the moments or the life or you know that there is there a connection piece there and I just thought that was so interesting because it's not always what we do. It's not always who we are or what, we, what we're trying to do. It's how are others perceiving the actions that we are putting forth. So I think that it is, you know, I think so four boys that are talking over me, right? So one, there's four of them, right? So this is, there's this kind of like 
you know, community aspect to that of like, we do this, we run this, we, we are into this. Right. So there's that there's also sort of power in numbers or like, I know if I'm walking on the street and I'm a teenager, I'm probably not doing anything dumb. If I'm with one of my friends, I'm, it escalates. And I'm not just saying dumb stuff. I'm saying like, um, am I, am I feeling myself a little bit more now if I'm with four, five, 10 friends, when we used to roll up in my van at Wawa and Philly and like 15 dudes would get out of the back of my van, you're feeling yourself a little bit, right? You're with your crew. And so that's one thing. So part of that conversation might be, or part of what you might do is like, um, talk to them individually, try and communicate with them individually. Might, this is just one thing. Um, bullying others, Again, I think it's a feeling yourself thing, playing around in the bathroom. It's a feeling yourself thing. I think that there's, my guess is that sometimes young folks are, sometimes kids are just kids, right? It doesn't mean you can let them be whatever they want to be whenever they want to be it, right? Like we're in school or you're in church or you're at work. Like there is a, a sort of a social code we sort of adhere to in certain places so that, you know, you know, uh, I don't know. So we don't, you know do certain things like, and plus playing in the bathroom is disgusting. Can we just even talk about that for a second? But like, uh, I think it's having a conversation with those young men and talking about like, yo, look, if you're, you're using this word racist a lot, I'm, I'm curious as to where that's coming from. I really want to listen to you. I really want to have this conversation and, and just, and not even, it doesn't, doesn't even have to be a conversation. It's like, I just want to listen. I just want to hear what you have to say about this and being open to what they're saying and then trying to communicate ways that you might be able to do better. Well, all right, well, what would, what would you like to see in class when those things are happening? So when I feel like, so let me, let me tell you what I'm seeing. Let me say, this doesn't mean this is what's happening. Let me tell you how I'm seeing this. When you are doing this, that's bullying, right? Like that, it, it, this looks like a, a, a moment in which you are bullying someone. This looks like you talking over me. This looks like you screwing around in the bathroom when I trust you to go there, right? So it's like, that's this is what I'm seeing. Can you clarify that for me? Because maybe something's happening that I'm not seeing or you're not doing something that I think you're doing. Because this dude, for, for, for like, in all honesty, this happens all the time. When And I've noticed this from sitting in the back of people's classes. Teachers are writing on the board. They're doing something. Someone says something behind them and immediately is, I told you guys no talking. I told everyone no talking. And I'm sitting in the back going, my man just literally like dropped a pencil and someone and asked someone if they could hand it to them. And then the teacher goes off because they also have these preconceived notions that like the, the kids must be up to no good. So I, I think it's, it's really having those conversations. It's like, I'm always saying like, have lunch with your students, like meet them before school or after school, like build those relationships, call home, but call home and not just say, Hey, this is what's happening in school. Their kid's bullying. They're talking over someone. They're screwing around the bathroom. It's calling home and saying, Hey, look, I don't, you're, I don't feel like your child is really finding success in my classroom. Here are some of the road bumps that we're, that we're seeing. These are the things that I'm seeing. These are the things that I'm being called. And I'm just wondering in what class has your student found the most success in before? Um, is there, you know, like, um, like, I don't know, sort of unpacking that a little bit with parents and seeing what they have to say back as well. And then look, I think the other thing is sometimes these are not conversations to be had alone. Sometimes it's finding someone that really gets down with those kids 
whether it's a coach, another teacher, an administrator, someone, and talking to them and then bringing them in on the conversation. Folks feel like, and this is in working with a lot of teachers, teachers often feel like doing something like that is a little bit too vulnerable. It's um, showing that they can't handle it themselves. But look, not every kid is going to be someone that you can immediately get down with. Not everyone is someone that you are going to have that, you know, be able to get down, like the vibe with on that level. So you need to bring in someone that can, and then they kind of like, I don't know, they have keys to the back door of the club and they let you in. And then you can really kind of get down in that situation. That was a really whole get down metaphor that I made there. That was awesome. Um, but anyway, like, I think it's bringing someone in that's a trusted voice to those individuals that is going to either vouch for you or help them to hear or see what they're doing in a way that you're not going to be able to communicate them with. And so look, here's the, here's the bottom line. When feeling uneasy for anyone that might feel uneasy about doing something like that is remembering that education is only ever about students. It's, this is not about you anyway. It's helping kids find success. And when they show up to school and when they show up in our classrooms and they got it twisted, it's our job. Like even look, I know people don't want to like admit this. There's a lot of teachers that don't want to admit this. They showed up to teach math and they don't want to deal with relationships and stuff. But like young people, like this is the safe space to push buttons and then have someone that cares about you push back, right? It is helping kids learn what's too far, what's inappropriate, what's not acceptable. Like, um, we're kind of, I feel like it's like this, it's like a training camp for life. It's like, it's like you're, you're showing up and like, I'm going to not give up on you, but I'm going to push back. And it's not the end of the world. Like it's friggin' school. Like it'll be all right, but like, let's figure this out now because I want you to grow into someone that in the world, outside of the safe place, outside of this classroom, like you're going to be able to hold your own and, and, and that sort of thing. So I just think that's, that's kind of where I would go with that. Great answer. What you got? Thanks. Okay. Dude. Our buddy Maisha is asking a question. Oh. Now that I've returned to the school building, instead of having the students switch classes, the teachers do. The classroom I switched to is one of my male teachers, and he leaves it messy. Any tips on how to? I hate that crap. <laughs> I hate it so much. Are you much. not the person to answer this question? No. Because I would just get mad. Uh, no. So I think it is. I think it's addressing it. Um, and there's, so there's a number of ways you can address it, right? It could be an awkward conversation of, hey, uh, could you have the kids five minutes before they leave, just pick stuff up? And I've, so I, I'm thinking of, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just put my boy out there. I'm going to put my boy Fines right out there, right? Fines was my co-teacher. You've seen him in videos before. He's like this big, burly guy with giant beard and glasses. Awesome guy. Awesome, awesome guy, right? And that's not just a caveat because I'm about to shoot him down, but I am. Um, Fines would teach one class in my room. There's 35 kids, way too many kids, right? SAT prep class that like the first time he did it, first couple of times he did it, I think those kids actually wanted to be in there. And then it was just a bunch of kids that were like, SAT, what? What's that? Saturday afternoon test? Like what's going on here? And so Fines was then teaching a bunch of kids that did not want to do the SAT how to do the SAT, right? So they would just leave my room like a disaster. My neat rows of desks or my neat clusters or, you know, there's food everywhere. There's half empty milk cartons. There's things, sh sh trash shoved down my, 
my couch cushions. There's paper on the floor. People draw on the desks. Like it is just a disaster when I go in. So first it's, hey, fine. Um, could, could we talk to the kids about like, you know, it not being so messy here when I come in because then I got to clean it up or then it just like it mess. It's like messing with my head. Right. Can we figure this out? Um, that's one thing, right? It's that conversation. The other thing is fines. Like, and then, or I just go like kind of funny, like fines. Um, my, like, I have like some, I'm not going to say it's OCD, but I have like some, some personal things where like classrooms that are messy, they hurt my brain. And when I come in here, it's messy and it's hurting my brain. Like, can we, can we figure that out? Um, that's two. Uh, three is I just come in and start like, after having those conversations, I just clean up trash. And then that makes the person see, like, before I even start class, I would have my class go, all right, guys, listen, before we even start, while he's cleaning up, and, and this isn't even just fines. I had another guy I worked with did this too. Because um, fines was really responsive, I'm going to be honest with you, because he's just a good dude. And I think he just leaves messes where he goes and he doesn't realize it. Um, but I, another person I worked with, I would come in and, say, and while they were packing up, I would tell my students, Hey gang, look, it's a total disaster area in here. We need to take the first 60 seconds. I know you didn't do it, but can you help me clean up all this mess on the floor? So now that teacher seeing that it's taking time out of your schedule so that you can clean your room up after they messed it up. Um, and then I think it's like bringing up things at staff meetings and say, Hey gang, can we just all, can we make like a concerted effort that in the last 60 seconds of class, students are just cleaning up around their desks or making things sure that things are neat um, and the way that they were when they came in there and like, and so it becomes like a school wide policy of like, this is what we're doing. So I'm not about creating policies instead of directing action towards the person that is at fault, but I would direct it towards the person that is screwing up. But then I would also bring it up and say like, this is something that, um, is like important to all of us. Like other people might be having this issue too. Um, and that's how I do it. And then yeah, so that's just a couple of ways I've seen this because I mean, man, she I, doesn't want to come off as nagging. That's what I didn't read that part of the um, question. So say it with a smile. I think that like just shit. Like I, I think just shifting. Um, or I, I try to make things. Of, uh, painters tape down the desk and say, "This is your have to be messy, and this is yeah. my have to be neat." Because <laughs> it's how my brain works. And yeah, that's I, what I, need. I mean, there's a million different ways I've handled it, yeah. but like I, I feel you. Like it is so aggravating. Um, real quick before we go into the next question, um, I want to talk real fast. So one of the things I'm I'm looking to do is look. Um, having attention is nice. Um, but if you're not going to do something for other folks with your attention, I think that sometimes that it's like, it's like wasted, a wasted moment. Um, so I just really want to quickly kind of just uh, talk about, I have a friend on um, that I know she's on Instagram. Her name is Vivette Dukes and uh, Vivette has uh, an organization called Speak Your Truth. And so what Speak Your Truth is, is what, what they're doing and what I want to bring people's awareness to in the moment is that they are collecting, they're, they're raising money so that they can buy groceries, healthy groceries to folks that are um, affected by mass incarceration or the coronavirus. So Vivette's husband, this is on the internet, like something she talks about a lot. She, um, can you take that down for a second, that question? I did already. It's still up there. I no, I, there's a new one up there. Oh. Um, so, because uh, I want to put something up there in a second. That's why. So, Vivette is, uh, 
she one of the things that she was talking about was like when her husband was in in prison um for many years she would go visit him but like the prison the food in prison is often like if you get like like if not counting like i guess the food that like so the food that they feed you and the food that's like in vending machines that you can buy is processed highly processed food right so like we're so the idea is that um, folks are not getting like fruits and vegetables, but when you show up to prison, if you want to bring someone something, it has to be at a certain weight level. So they make these bags that folks can take to people that they know that are that are incarcerated so that they are um, given something that's healthy, like fruits, vegetables, those sorts of things that are going to fuel their bodies, make them healthier and help them um, along their, their journey that they're on. And so and also they're just helping families out that like you know, someone's in prison now. and like, that's income that you don't have. That's parenting help that you don't have. And so trying to help folks that are navigating that and something that's really, really important to her. So look, if you're interested in that, or if you know someone that's rich and is interested in that, um, in the comment section, I think I can just do this right on here. Um, this is the Venmo for her situation that she's raising money for. And then I'm also going to put, what's that? It went up. And then I also want to drop her. Um, this is the Speak of Truth uh, Instagram feed as well. Uh, that she's just a really great person. She's doing good work, and she's trying to make a difference in the world in like in a way that is I don't think gets enough attention. So I just wanted to shout that out and take a moment real quick. Um, so yeah. As well. um, okay. Next question. Yep. Let's do it. All right. Comes from Kristen. It's a two parter. So we'll put two parts. First Part one, one is. Our principal has asked us to decenter ourselves and take the lead from our students in terms of how we address Dante Wright's killing and the upcoming, um, how do you say that guy's shot, shot? I don't know how to say his last name. The, the verdict for uh, the murder of George Floyd. Okay. Um, I'm wondering what you and others think about teachers sitting on their hand in times of crisis and putting the onus on the students to start the conversation. Uh So, Kristen, my first point of concern would be that a school would give you that directive and then not walk you through how to do that. Um, so that, like... Well, the directive is just to not bring it up. Yeah, so it's like they should walk through them, like, here's how that would look. This is what that would look like. To not bring it up? Yeah, it's to decenter ourselves so they don't bring, it's only discussed no. when the students bring up the conversation. Um, I oh, thought she said no. somewhere. I thought the way I'm reading that is that it is, you're not sort of like directing the conversation, you're letting the students do it. So you're basically facilitating it. Um, but if they're, but you don't go anywhere that they're not going, right? So they're kind of like taking you down the path. Um, oh. Look, I think that's, she said she teach, um, she says, I teach in the nearest southern suburb to Minneapolis. So they're very close to it. How could you not kind of talk so about So here's, here's how I navigate this space, right? I bring it up all the time because, one, kids got to know that it's okay to talk about it. Hey, gang, um, this happened yesterday. This happened this week. This is what's going on. And what is our child doing at the door here? Um they, they just come to the door and they just tap on it and then stare at us like like we're in a zoo like we're in an exhibit uh so this i i simply say something to the effect of like this is what's going on how are people thinking and feeling about this and then and then you let kids say what they're thinking and feeling and then 
you can help navigate the conversation. Chances are like, I mean, and gosh, I mean, there's, it's really, it's really crazy because the students have so many opportunities to talk about things um, that are going on with regards to uh, police shootings, racism, like uh, amongst, amongst, it's especially highly in the news lately is especially amongst like black and brown students amongst Asian women amongst like, there's all this stuff, right? There's so much stuff to talk about that. I mean, I, I, in with all of these things happening, it is us creating space for students to talk about it, but also helping them to ask good questions, helping to push things a little bit further or you know you're not when we direct conversation when we facilitate conversation it's not it i think my hope would be that where your school's coming from is that they don't want teachers agendas getting on students right and i understand that that makes sense to me but at the same time if we are not helping to facilitate conversation to push it forward to ask follow-up questions to ask what people mean about stuff to ask hey did you think about it this way or what do you think about that like i hear we're all over here saying this what do you think about people that believe this or people that say this? So like in inserting other points of view or, or the way think people are thinking about it, if we're not doing that, then we're not helping. Then kids can often, it's like they're just in a vacuum, right? It's, it's the same polarized nonsense that happens in the rest of the country. It's the reason that there's either I listen to CNN or I'm an NPR person or I'm a Fox news person and I don't listen to anything else. It's like, it is helping kids to, get points of view from all over the place and then having a fuller conversation. I, I am one, I look on some level, I get school policy on some level. I think I hear what people are saying, thinking, feeling, and I don't want to be cold to that. I would push back on the admin. I'd push back and then I would do what was right for students anyway. Um, it's just, I, you know, I, I think, Sometimes schools get too caught up in policy and politics and what they think parents are going to think or feel or do. And it's like, nah, a kid asked a question, I'm going to answer it or I'm going to make them let them know they can be heard or they can feel that it's OK to feel that way or it's OK to be upset or it's OK to be angry or it's OK to um, ask that question that you're like, at, you know, when I have students that like will ask me. Um, like, am I racist? Right? Like there are teachers that will go, you, no, I'm not having that conversation with students for a hundred percent have that conversation with you. Like, or were you racist when you were younger? Or did you like, like whatever that is, like, dude, I want this. This is a safe space for us to really dig deep for us to really have these conversations. Cause where else here, here's the question, right? Here's the bottom line to me. Where else are kids having these conversations? They're not always happening at home. And I'm not trying to be someone's parent. I'm just trying to be someone's avenue to understanding, right? Someone's avenue to empathy um, and, and trying to just show up and create those spaces. And that's what we're doing, right? It's not, it's, it's being mindful and trying not to put your agenda on someone else, but knowing that this conversation might not happen anywhere else. It's not happening on the basketball court. It's not happening on the playground. It's not having a baseball practice or cheerleading practice, right? And that's that, like, this is where, we, where this is, this is the spot, man, for kids to be able to do it. Um, and maybe having those conversations a little bit larger, having other faculty members in there with you, if you don't feel comfortable doing it, like bring some folks in, bring some community members in to help you navigate those conversations, have a fuller, or, or I love having people come in. Like if I know like shit's about to get real in class, I'll call in 
Cho or Stu or Meeks or Yonk or, you know, other people that I work with. So kids can see what that looks like to have that conversation amongst adults. And sometimes I pull in people that I don't even agree with. So I know there's going to be some opposing conversation there so they can see what that looks like. And then that's what we're doing. We're modeling it for its students also. So I think you keep doing what you feel is in your gut to do. That's right. Um, and don't be like, I just think that that's, that's where I would operate out of. What you got, buddy? Um, next up is Chloe. Some heavy, heavy conversation There's today. There's a lot of heavy stuff floating around on there the is. internet right now. I mean, There's a lot of know? stuff. I want to bring up that, uh, the Facebook question to it. Um, maybe we'll do it after this. Okay. Chloe's asking, I just got hired for my first teaching job. Hooray. What are some things to help prepare for my first teaching job? Uh, first of all, Chloe. Congratulations on on getting your job. I think that's super exciting. Um, I think uh, things prepare for your first teaching job. Um, I talk about this a lot. I'm trying to think of a little bit left to center way to kind of what's that? Hide a ream of paper. Hide a what? Ream of paper. You always oh, say that. That's oh oh Hi, I thought you said hire a ream of paper. No, I was like, how do you do that? Like on Fiverr. Um, <laughs> I, so here's one. Um, my wife just brought up. Go into your school. And on the first day, get a get a whole pack of printer paper. They have them there right next to the copy machines. And then put that thing in the bottom drawer of your desk under a bunch of other crap where no one will ever, ever find it. Um, and then in the middle of the year, when all the paper runs out or when somebody like forgot to order it or there's a back order or there's a pandemic and there's no like they're just not making paper right now for some reason, um, you will be able to be like, ta-da that test is still happening that assignment's still going forward that project directions are still getting printed out that is like one of my number one things i tell people um i would you know here's here's what i would think about i would think about um how are you going to start the year uh and how are you going to connect with students and how are you going to connect with staff it is i think one of the biggest mistakes that first year teachers do is two things one they wait to be the teacher that they always dreamed of and two they don't become a part of the community. They're like waiting to get invited. Start inviting, right? Bring people to um, to your table. And and at, like maybe you can connect with teachers and say like, hey, look, just got hired. It's the end of the school year. I'd love to come in and just observe. I'd like to just be around the staff, right? To be around people and see what's going on and how things roll at the school. Um, even in this kind of crazy year, can I drop in your Zoom and just, I just have my camera off. I'll sit in the back uh, and just, I just want to observe. Um, trying to like see if people can go out for drinks or for a coffee or something like that and start hanging out with people now so you can kind of figure out like who do I want to be around when the school year starts? Now I saw you teach and I see what you're like at the bar and I know this is not a good, this, I don't, you're for somebody else. Um, try and start finding your people. That's what I would do. And then look, don't wait to be the teacher you always dreamed of being. Get excited. When people tell you you're working too much, when people tell you that you're, uh, you know, don't, don't spend your own money, like whatever it is that you want to do, like just disregard all that crap, man. Go full tilt this first year and have an awesome time. And that's what I would do. That's that's what I would focus on is the excitement of it. Um, and when you're nervous, when you get, when your stomach hurts, when you can't sleep, when you're freaking out a little bit, remember that being excited and being nervous feel almost exactly the same. Is that your mic drop moment? You're like, yeah. That's my arm <laughs> on the chair. This is like transforming chair. Like that. 
Let's move on to Vanessa's question. <laughs> I have been recognized as oh, stop it. Sorry. I've been recognized as a leader at my school. I'm awesome. thinking about making the jump to admin. I'm not sure because my fellow teachers feel comfortable coming to me when they have issues, and I don't want that to change. Um. Let's. I'm sorry. I'm just. I'm thinking about that. Uh, Vanessa, first of all, I'm taken aback a little bit by your profile picture there, which is a pug. Pug with unicorn. Are you? It's are you a, a Pegasus. Pug? Pegasus unicorn pug. <laughs> I think I've seen one. this before. I think I've seen this profile picture before, but it is definitely one that gets stuck in there. Uh, I feel like that should be that picture should be on the side of a van, right? Yes. Like airbrushed on the side like of a van. van. Mm -hmm. <laughs> what up? It's my van's right. van. Answer your question. All right, I was going to go on a whole tangent yeah, about no, that. Uh, so, <laughs> thank you for being here, wife. <laughs> I, look, I Vanessa, I think that. Um, Wherever you feel called to be is where you should be. If you feel like you're supposed to be a leader, maybe you're supposed to be the leader that shows up and changes the face of leadership in your school, changes it so that teachers feel comfortable going to the leadership, feel comfortable showing up to administration, feel like they can show up, they can be themselves, they can be authentic, they can be vulnerable, and they're not going to get like someone's not sitting there taking prescriptive notes or giving prescriptive advice, just going to keep it real with them. Uh, I once worked for a guy who, uh, or with a guy that then Nick, Nick Pascal, he's no longer in education, just, just stopped after 20 years in education, something like that. Um, he was one of the best administrators I ever saw in my life because he just kept it a hundred percent real with you. And he was just kind and loving and like his energy was contagious and infectious and just like wherever he was in the hallway was like, was better because he was there uh the principal that i had him uh until a couple years ago no attendant um now the uh like the assistant superintendent of philadelphia school district um was one of the best people i've ever worked for his best principal i've ever had in my life because he just showed up and cared and you knew he was the principal but you knew you could still tell him a joke you knew you could still go in and say something funny you knew you could like I used to ask my guy for a ride when I couldn't get to school because I had a flat tire or my car broke down or something like that. It was the same thing as a flat tire. And I'd be like, no, can I get a ride? Then we would just ride to school and like listen to jams and talk about stuff. And it was like just hanging out with a buddy. But then you could still have those real like principal conversations sometimes too that like if he didn't feel like you were pulling your weight or he felt like he had to have a real talk with you about something, you could he could switch. But it's I think it's about – rethinking what leadership looks like and actually becoming a real leader. Real leaders, I think, lead their people like that. Real leaders influence people. They help them to feel good, to feel empowered, to feel motivated, to feel inspired. Um, if you feel like you want to make that jump in the administration, do it and then transform the position. Don't let the, the position transform you. Bam, look at that. that look at that so line. Drop That's right a, there. <laughs> okay, don't do it. Uh, it is really dumb. People can't even see what the hell I'm doing. <laughs> People are listening to this on audio. Like, what is he doing? He's making his violently moving the arms on his chair up and down. <laughs> okay, next question it comes from our friend Amy. Amy Russell. Uh, I'm applying for a research fellowship this summer, but I'm torn between occupying my mind with this or just letting myself rest. Your three teacher. Your uh, 
Man, that's a great question uh, because Amy Russell, we feel like we have all the time in the world when it comes to summer. And the fact of the matter is we do not um, that it gets real and it gets, and it's like, I mean, two weeks into summer break and you're just like, Oh, it's 4th of July. Like if we're in the U S anyway, everybody else is just like, no, East coast, that's Georgia. East coast schedule. Like that's not other. Yeah. Folks. I mean, we don't get done until the 18th, man. That's like literally two weeks tops. It's 4th yeah, like of July. And then 4th of July are just like, dang. And then July passes. And then August, you know, everyone knows it's the Sunday of the teacher calendar. <laughs> and it's just like, Oh gosh, we're going back. So I, you know, I don't have an answer, but I can give you food for thought. Um, I know you have a son and I've said this a lot lately. I just think that like my kids are growing up too fast. And I know that all parents that have kids that are your kid's age. Um, I think she only has one son. Right. And I remember his name is Wyland because I think that is like, oh, such a great, a great name. name. Yeah. So like how many more summers do you have with Wyland? Right. Like how many more summers do you guys have together that he's living at home? He's not off at of college. He didn't move out. He's like all that stuff. 80% of the FaceTime that you have with your children is between birth and 18, 80%. So if they live, if you live to be a hundred, 80% between birth and 18, and then it's only 20% after that. So I am choosing this summer. I could work my face. I have some things coming up. I have some ideas I want to implement, some stuff that I want to build and do. Like I have some real cool stuff I'm, I'm about to start working on. Um, I just know that I want to drive cross country with Marley more than I want to do any of that stuff. And so like, that's what we're going to do. Um, so it's spending that time with my kids and then fitting in the other stuff. Now I will say the way that I think you can do both the way that I'm going to try and work it is I'm waking up early on purpose I'm waking up at five and from six to eight, at least every, so five to six is like the, me pouring into myself time. And the summer is the best because you can wake up at five, friggin' take a nap in the afternoon. It doesn't hurt you. <laughs> um, five to six is like creating is getting me to 11 and then six to eight. If that is my work full tilt focus time of like, this is when I'm doing my research. This is when I'm, or when I'm doing my stuff that I'm going to do. Um, that's two hours a day of full, unadulterated, no holds barred, like getting a done time. I think you can get a lot done in two hours if you're just like not checking your phone, listening to music, eating breakfast at the same time, cooking, cleaning up, playing with the dog. It's like just doing that. I'm wondering how much of that, like, and, and even if it's three hours, like my kids sleep till nine o'clock sometimes, like <laughs> I can go six to nine hardcore. And then from nine to the rest of the day, I have, it's, you know, game on with, with the fam, I think I can do that. Um, can I bring up that question real quick from the Facebook group? Because uh, I just I told her I would do it, and then she hit me up, and she was like, "Yeah, for real, like you, could, that would be awesome if you did yeah, that." Lots so of questions in here. There was a Facebook group um, post, yeah, but I just I because I said I would do this. There was a post in the Facebook group um, that basically said. Uh, so this is from Andrea Fields. She said I could share her name. She said, I don't know how many of you know Annie, Amy Donofrio. I've never heard of her before this moment, but apparently she's like a really wonderful teacher uh, in the city. She's been recognized by President Obama, front page of the New York Times. She had a TED Talk. She was suspended last month for, not, for refusing to take down her Black Lives Matter flag. 
Um, her question is, if I'm going into teaching next year, she's curious. She said, are you afraid to be vocal about these types of human rights matters in school for fear of losing your job? So this kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier. And I just wanted to address this because I didn't want to leave it in just a post and it would just live there. I wouldn't say it out loud in front of everyone. Um, I, look, there are a lot of folks that think that Black Lives Matter is some sort of political position, right? I'm not even here to have that that conversation. What I'm here to talk about is there is Black Lives Matter, right? Like the, the organization. I'm just asking them the question, do Black Lives Matter? Like, do like if you teach young Black people, if you teach young folks of color, if you teach young Asian women, if you teach like if you teach all boys, um, if you, like, like there's just certain pockets, right? So like if you teach all boys and you want to talk about toxic masculinity, right? Like that isn't, that's a group that needs to he- have that conversation, right? Like th- that is, if you teach young Asian women um, or if you teach a- a- Asian students opening up that conversation. Um, so look, I, l- l- I'm going to go both ways with this. I'm going to say one, opening up that conversation so that those students know that un like without a doubt that they matter, that you're not f- afraid to have this conversation, that you'll show up for them, that you care about them, that you want to be able to do this. And that can look like a conversation with the whole school. It could look like a conversation with just the student. That's going to depend on sort of your dynamic. Um, if, and then also like with regards to black lives matter, if you teach black students, you should be having those conversations because you want your black students to know that you care. If you don't teach any black students, you should still be having those conversations because a lot of times students have no idea that they can't even understand what black lives matter means because it's like, why are we talking about this? We don't even, we don't even, there's not even any white people like, or like black people like in our neighborhood. Um, So why would we have this conversation? Like, because you're not going to get this from anywhere else because you're not, because you're not, um, because your, your world is, is outside of the, just because we don't live amongst certain uh, folks, doesn't mean that we shouldn't be having these conversations because this is what the conversation is in the world right now. And so we are going to have this conversation so that you um, can learn and grow and change like based on what's happening in, in culture right now. So I, I would all, it's hard for me because I can't imagine getting fired for talking about anything so far. Um, I don't, I've not worked at schools that really push back against that. My conversation would be then it, look, I'd always push back. I think it's always important to push back. I think it's always important to have these conversations with young people to let them feel heard, to feel understood, um, and to show up for them. Um, I mean, you can, I, I just think that that's the end if education is only ever about students, if our attention is really more important than our advice and just showing up and listening, like I'm a white guy, what can I possibly talk to students? Like it's hard talking about black culture sometimes, but I can show up and listen. I can give kids a space where they can feel safe to have these conversations. Um, I can bring in people. I can make connections. I can have a school-wide initiative or I can bring in other teachers and we have some kind of small pocket of individuals that are interested that are doing something like I just think that it's always important to be having these conversations. I don't know what happened with that young woman. I don't know about her banner that she had in her flag that she had in her room. I don't know why. Like, I don't know enough about that situation to really speak to that directly. But I can just say that, like, if we are indeed doing this work for students, like, 
like if you showed up to teach because you just love math and you don't love kids, like I don't know what I don't even know what to say to that person. But if you're showing up because you love kids, then love kids and do it out loud and let them be who they are and and show up humbly and and like I said earlier for, to that woman's point, humbly and with curiosity. Um, and I think that that's that's kind of the bottom line with that. So I just wanted to say I just wanted to speak to that post because I thought it was important. All right, John Fox is asking, how do you identify and balance knowing when to give students enough support to be successful and challenging them and the idea that some genuine grappling with the text is necessary necessary to truly grow and develop as a reader and thinker? Yes. I can't put the question up because StreamYard, cut them off. Oh, okay. I can't go so John Fox, uh, that's, dude, that's a great question. So like, how are we knowing, like, when's, when is, when are we, sort of like coddling kids or when are we pushing them too hard and how do we find that happy medium? I think that it comes with having conversations. It's being very clear about that. That is actually what's taking place. Bro, I'm not going to give you that answer because, um, but I'll, I'll help you. I'll, I'll walk you through what it looks like to get there. Um, it's understanding that not all kids, like I have dudes that like really, really struggle with, I can give them a, three sentence paragraph and it's like the answer is so clear and evident to me but it's about remembering that not everyone's on the same level that not everyone reads the same that I, not everyone understands the same that some kids have like low like might be um they just struggle with uh with that that sort of you know, executive functioning, um, or, 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 or they struggle maybe with dyslexia and no one knows about it, or they struggle with ADHD or they don't still have a belief in themselves, or they just don't believe this is important. So it's, it's meeting kids where they are so we can bring them up to where they can be. And then being okay with failing, like push kids too hard sometimes and see like, Oh, oh no, shoot. All right. That didn't really work. That was a little bit, that was a little bit aggressive or get, like I have given assignments where like, in retrospect, I'm like, yeah, it was a terrible sign. That was too hard. It was like I was asking too much from a group that that didn't have it to give yet, right? It was like I put too much on the dumbbell or I like gave them a weight that was too heavy and said, bro, I didn't want five reps with this. And they're like, I, don't, I can't get it. And it's like, okay, all right. I'm now seeing that everyone tried to lift that weight that it was too heavy and we can't do it, right? Um, and But sometimes it's putting the sword in the stone and being like, bro, I want to see, I want to see people try. I want to see you give it your all. I want to see you. I want to see what this looks like for this to hurt a little bit for this, for this to see you try and struggle and get this done, um, making it a little bit impossible and then seeing where kids land and then helping them go from there. Right. School. Like we have this whole thing about rigor. Schools love to talk about rigor all the time. And I think that rigor is, is, misunderstood sometimes it is not just like pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing and pushing but that like look anybody knows that like like that you have to figure out like there has to be a strength test first like if we're talking about working out there's a strength test first it's figuring out how much is your max that you can actually you know coming from me clearly all built up uh you can clearly <laughs> see this is my life um but it's not like you know for some folks it's figuring out like how much is the most that you can lift figuring out what that is. And then where do we want to go? What, like, gosh, I'm all over the place with this. Cause I really love this question, but it's like, I'm word vomiting. Um, it's figuring out what you're capable of, where you want to go. 
it's also understand having kids understand why they're doing stuff, right? Like explaining to them why this is important, why I'm pushing you, why I'm helping you now, but I'm not going to help you later. Why I'm not going to give you the answer right now, why this is a little bit harder than it was before, but breaking down, like not just, it can never be, this is going to be on the test. You're going to have to know it for next year. You're going to see this in college. What are the larger life moments that we're learning through this that are important as well? I think it's important to, to note those things too. Um, and then helping kids know where we're getting to, right? Like what is, what's the, like you, it's good to have goals. It's good to have dreams, but it's also good to know exactly what you want. Not I like, so this is where I go with this. When people say, yo, I want to lose weight. Yo, I want to know like how much weight, like how big do you want your waist to be? How large do you want your biceps to be? How much weight do you want to be able to push? Like, or, or lift, how, how far do you want to be able to run? Do, are we just like, I'm going to start running. How far? Because like, what are we training for? A 5k, a marathon, a half marathon, a, an ultra marathon. Like, what are we trying to do? It's helping kids know, like, here's where I want you to get. So here, and here's where you are. So, and this is, and it's important because of this, this, and this reason. And then we're going to do it together to help you get there. Um, and I'm going to coach you all the way through. I think that's always the answer. That's okay. a little, that's a little bit all over the place, but I feel well. John so Fox has that. another one, and it's really a there's a couple of people that had follow up questions to Cameron's. Uh, this is going to give questions. me the ability to answer this question more clearly and concise. Okay, yeah. Um, <laughs> what do you look for in a principal when deciding which job to take? Anything you should ask specifically during the interview? Um, so I'll say this. Uh, we are in the midst of hiring a new principal and CEO for our school. And so they had, they gave presentations last week, these final candidates and, um, things that I look for are like, what kind of leader are you? Right. So I've worked under leadership where like they put everything on the teachers, everything's the teacher's fault. They don't back teachers. Um, I want to know things like, is this about, are we focused on kids? Are we focused on policy? Are we focused on our numbers are we focused on like that though like can you so what would be something if you were interviewing not listening to those like in the interview and okay. you already have a teacher job but if you're interviewing for a teacher position what can you ask the principal to find out like what are the values of the school what what does the school find think is important what are you all like like tell me about yourselves like like um because you're interviewing them as well so like uh so i was on your website and i saw this this and this i'm wondering how um, you know, one of the things our school says is education is your birthright. It's the birthright of all children. How does that play out in school? Right. How does, how, like, how do you guys view things like academic integrity? How do you view things like helping kids grow into the most successful version of themselves so that they can live a life that they are, they're called to live? Like, how do you look at things like teacher autonomy? That's super important to me. I don't want to follow some scripted lesson plan. I just won't do it. Um, I'd never do that. It's like, it's like if I'm just the person that like I want to if I want to be a chef I want to show up somewhere that's like fun to be a chef I don't want to be a chef at friggin Fuddruckers or Olive Garden where you have to have the same exact thing at every single location all over the world um I'm just not I'm just not interested in that some people are cool with that they're good it's money straight it's you know you know exactly what you got to do it's science um I'm not interested in science I'm interested in, in like meeting kids where they are and doing cool stuff so it's like it's trying to find leadership that is focused on the things that you 
believe to be true that you value and also people that are going to um, that are excited about what they do, that are stoked about their position, that, you know, are wanting to back teachers, that are wanting to back students. And so I think that it's it's finding those it's looking for clues um, that that that's what pe- these leaders are really about. Um, another follow-up in that same vein, uh, Andrea is asking, is it appropriate to ask a question like that in an interview? Like if they ask, what is the culture in your school like? Uh, how would I learn that if I'm not familiar with the school? Uh, all right. So that that's a great question. I think everything's appropriate. Like, like I won't say everything's appropriate because I don't know. Somebody might just be weird and ask something There's inappropriate. Yeah. Uh, I think that's sure. a completely appropriate question to ask because what you're trying to do is see, like, look, this is what you're doing. You're showing up because you. You're showing up in an interview because you want to be a part of that community, right? Like, like, like people that, like, people like us do things like this, right? That's like a Seth Godin says. So people that are like in here, 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 here's what what we are trying to be the teachers that we're called to be. So you show up in that interview, and you don't have to be cocky, but you can be self assured, right? You're ordinary is somebody else's extraordinary. I'm not showing up just to be a cog in the machine. I'm showing up to bring my gifts, to be able to be a part of this magic that you are trying to create in the school, like to create a space where kids are learning and growing and challenged. We're pushing each other. We're seeing one another and like working together and collaborating and um, and speaking truth to one another when we need to hear it because you left my classroom a mess and like that's not going to fly. And so like, how can we remedy this? It is it is showing up to be a part of that community. So the leadership, the leadership is the thing that's going to decide if a school can do that. Now, look, there's some schools where like there are teachers that despite the leadership, that despite the culture of the school do good stuff. I think they're few and far between. I think that if your culture is like, is not strong, um, that everything else goes out the window. So I heard, uh, I had a guy come speak to my class recently, uh, Michael Chernow, who's a really great person to follow on Instagram. Um, Michael Chernow says that, uh, that culture eats, what did he say? Um, oh, damn it. Damn it. I set it all up. He said, essentially like culture eats strategy for breakfast. That's what he says. So you can have all the strategy you want in the world, but if the culture is not something you want to be a part of i just think that you need to know that before you get the job and then show up and it's like oh you guys said it was going to be like this or like i should have asked about this is i don't like the way things like no one gets along or the teachers are toxic or the kids run the school or the leadership doesn't back you or i'm getting told every single thing how to do everything in my class and how to run things like i don't i don't want that um i i think there needs to be room for there like like how do you view failure? Like, I just, I'm real interested in that too. Like, is there room for me to fail here without losing my job? And I don't mean like punching a kid in the face. I mean, like, can I try something, a lesson, a project, a trip? And it went, it, it went this way. And I was, I was meant to go this way. And then we it just got, it just went, it just went to crap and it was terrible. And now I got to start over. Um, is there room for that? Like, because I want to be able to challenge myself too. And that's what I'm thinking about. What you got? Um, Trent Patrick is asking best interview tips. I'm currently on the hunt. Um, I have a whole video on that, that if you go to, uh, if you go on debt on a computer, this doesn't work on mobile. My wife is always reminding me of, um, if you go on a computer, you can go to the top where it says like on my page, where it says like about, 
and channels and all this just other stuff. Just go on the actual Real Rap with Reynolds YouTube page and in that little search bar, once you're on a desktop on the YouTube there's channel, a little magnifying and search, glass. And then it just searches within our yeah. content. Yeah. So just look up interview and you'll get a, yeah. there's at least a video, maybe two or three that are going to pop up. Okay. Um, AC is asking, do you have any advice for a new substitute? I have a few months experience through observing and my BA, but I've never led a class. My interview is Tuesday and I feel so inexperienced. Uh, so look, um, lean into that. Um, lean into the feeling that you feel inexperienced and you can show up like that. You don't have to show up like you know everything. You don't have to show up like you're on top of stuff. It is looking at it like it's experience, right? So um, I heard someone say the other day that it is either going to go well or it's going to be a great story, right? So it's like reframing the thought in your mind. Like, this is either going to be great or it's going to be a great story. Like, what am I going to learn from this? I heard somebody else say on a podcast recently that they look, the way they choose to look back on their life is that they were never failing. They didn't fail at stuff. They were becoming. Um, and I love that idea. Uh, so I think it is showing up. And remember, the reason you're showing up is for kids, right? It's not like, and yeah, it's to make money and all that other stuff too, but it's like, it is for kids. So show up and be there for kids. Show up and and let kids be excited that you were their substitute. Help them through what they're going through. Don't, don't be so concerned that people are talking a little bit, that it's like, um, that kids aren't being like super quiet and just sitting there. Like you will, within a week, get a sense of like, oh, okay. This is how this rolls. It will, it, it will actually, you will actually have a sense after the first day, but especially after the first week as to how this all works. And then it's just you becoming the person that's going to really be able to navigate this whole situation. That's going to be able to facilitate this class and your sub. So you're not like really, really probably teaching stuff. Um, so like that's like I never like there are people that I've subbed for before that like leave me lessons. They want me to roll. I'm like, bro, I don't know. I can't do math. Like there's a whole reason I'm an English teacher. Um, but I can show up and sit with kids and help them work through stuff. Uh, so that's what I would do. I would just show up and be engaged, be interested and show kids that you care. And that's how I would start off. Do you want to keep going? Uh, we'll do one more because I want to let the team be able to yeah. split. Um, Ruth is asking, what is the biggest challenge when it comes to teaching high school students? I'm currently a fifth grade dual language teacher, 10th year and would, would like a change, but I'm scared of the change. They're insane, Ruth. That's the thing with yeah, high school students. How much more insane than fifth grade though? I'm slightly joking with that. Here's what I think is, is the challenge with, with high schoolers. High schoolers, speaking of becoming, are right now most of them are becoming the people they're going to become, right? So like you in fifth grade, you put on what your mom tells you to put on, you you eat the food they tell you to eat, you go to church when you're supposed to go to church, you like read certain books and do the certain chores. In high school, you're starting, I think the reason that we see students that have blue hair and mohawks and dreadlocks and tattoos and um, start wearing different kinds of clothes and doing weird stuff and trying to, you know, like they're just, wow. Uh, because they're, become, they're, they're testing the waters so they can start growing into the person that they're going to be. And that I think on the front end, when you're a teenager is, is extreme. And then 
you start figuring some things out and then you level out, right? Like, so as a 44 year old man, the reason I don't have a Mohawk anymore is not because I don't think they're cool, but it's like, or the reason that I don't do a lot of things is because like, I don't, that's not, I don't need to live there anymore. Like I, I have, I have other things I can be risky about in my life. That's not my hairstyle. So I think that that is some of what we're dealing with in high school. I think that's a lot of behavioral issues too, or like when kids push back, when they tell you to shut up and they curse in class, when they're trying to secretly vape uh, while they're like walking the track in gym class or whatever they're doing. I think that is that school is often a space where I think kids feel a level of safety where they can do some of these things. And you know, it's not the end of the world if they get caught or if they get busted or if something happens. Right. And I just choose to treat a lot of things like that. Like uh, if you made a poor choice, it's not the end of the world. You don't get to own my, my behavior or how I think or feel about something. Um, I'm going to show up and help you navigate that, bro. You can't vape in school. Let's talk about vaping. Let me break it down for you right now about vaping. Um, let me talk about like suspension. Let me talk about what getting fights gets you or that like every time these kids say something, you lash out and then you, you, you're all, you know, off the chain and like you're punching someone in the face because you're a puppet. Like, let's talk about some real stuff around this. Um, but I think that it's being able to show up and help kids, uh, navigate some of those thoughts, feelings, experiences. Um, and, and I think that school's not fun anymore. I think even in fifth grade, for me, school was fun until about fifth grade. <clears throat> sixth grade was pushing it because our kids will say school was fun until about third grade. <laughs> yes, if that, um, depending on the teacher. But high school, like school's not fun anymore. So you're dealing with a level of apathy too. But that's because school sucks a lot of times. Like the majority of kids' day sucks. Like, and I don't, I don't even blame them. Um, so it's it's working through not not working against that necessarily it's working through that stuff with students also um i think that's the biggest shift i i, I believe oh dang it you know i hate ending when we have more questions it drives me nuts it's the worst <laughs> i feel awful sorry people um i know man i'm sorry it's but it is it's sunday and it's we've been at it for an hour 14 minutes and yeah. my kids need me and i'm starving i'm starving as I well. cinnamon so bun. listen um sorry if we didn't get to all of your your questions listen i want to just say this um Here's a thought that I want to send people away with that I've been thinking a lot of this this week. Uh, a pastor said this one time where he said, what if, um, you know, when you're having a problem in your class, you're having a problem with classroom management, you know, uh, toxic teachers, uh, not feeling like you are the teacher that you really want to be, all those things. We start Googling things. It's maybe, maybe why you found this channel. You start Googling stuff, start looking things up. It's late. You've had a couple glasses of wine, you're on YouTube trying to find out how the hell you're supposed to figure this out. And I think that there's value in that. I think there's value in looking up resources and showing up on Sundays to talk about things that, that are like, it's a Sunday. Like most people are just like chilling um, and you're showing up to talk about education. I think that there's, it, that is so valuable and so amazing that I first want to just applaud anyone that would even do that. The second thing is that my pastor would say, he didn't say all that. He said this. What if you are called to be the person you're Googling? And I love that so much because it means that we are con like, like, what if you need to grow into that person that it's like, that person doesn't exist. The person you're Googling, the person you're looking up is actually you. And so that's what I would leave you with this week is you're going into this week and, and you're, 
trying to figure it all out. Keep becoming, keep trying, keep failing, keep picking your ass back up and showing back up every single day and trying to be, become the better version of yourself so that you can eventually um, be the teacher that you are called to be. Uh, and so people start Googling you one day. I don't know, but uh, that's it. That was on my mind. I just felt like somebody might need to hear that. Um, and that's it, gang. We will see you next week, um, 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Peace. <laughs>